What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Two Feet on the Ground Gravity Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chris. Hey, today you are in for a treat. This is a first for me interviewing an author. Today with me is going to be Wakiria Whitlock. Wakiria has done a lot of things in her life. She is an, a, a, a published poet. She's a tech entrepreneur, a philanthropist, medica- meditation and yoga teacher. From our interview here, I learned that she is a yacht chef. Did you even know that they had dedicated chefs on yachts? Well, they do. Uh, she has done a ton of things in life. Remarkable experience. She's also experienced significant loss. And I think you're going to grab some great takeaways from hearing her reflections on both the pain and and the just the absolute beautiful things that have happened in her life. But before we do that, first, we want to talk about our sponsor. The sponsor of the Two Feet on the Ground Gravity podcast is Service Peace Warriors. Service Peace Warriors is a 501c3 nonprofit that's dedicated to supporting our, our heroes, the veterans that are coming home with war-related PTSD and other disabilities. Folks, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the statistics say that roughly 24 veterans commit suicide every single day, and I am not okay with that. Service Peace Warriors is committed to getting service animals in the hands of our veterans so that they can heal. Service Peace Warriors has actually taken it a step further, though. They started their own private for-profit dog training academy, Maddox Dog Training Academy, so that they can further fund Service Peace Warriors. That's right. And then on top of that, through Maddox Dog Training Academy, they're also connecting first responders. Our paramedics, our firefighters, and our police officers who are suffering from PTSD, they're connecting them with service animals as well. Absolutely remarkable organization. If you haven't checked them out yet, please stop right now. Go down to the comments, click on servicepeacewarriors.org and check out their website. If you want to support them, you can do it for free. Go ahead and Google search Amazon Smile and figure out how you can connect your Amazon account to Service Peace Warriors. It won't cost you any extra money, but Amazon will send a few pennies from each one of your purchases to Service Peace Warriors. And if enough of us do this, then we're going to be able to connect either a veteran or a first responder with a service animal. Great opportunity to support our nation's heroes, folks. Please check it out today. Getting into today's guest, Wakiria Traveling the world, 29 countries. You're going to hear some remarkable stories of her jumping on planes with $50 in her pocket and traveling abroad. And you're going to think, what are you doing? There was a few times throughout this interview that I was about to bring in some flying elbow drops on some men, but it all worked out and I didn't have to do that, folks. Uh, I hope you enjoy listening to Wakiria Whitlock as much as I enjoyed chatting with their folks. Uh, I don't think there's anything more for me to say. Let's jump over and check out the interview. What is going on, Wakiria Whitlock? How are you tonight? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for joining me here on the Gravity Podcast. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. So, hey, we you. we connected a while back, and I I really love what I see you projecting, uh, mm-hmm. and that's where I felt like we would have a, a connection, and that this would be a really good spot for you to talk about your life experiences and your work. Uh, because I see you projecting positivity. And we I don't know about you, but over the last couple of years, I've just seen a lot of neg- negativity in our world. I've seen a lot of folks willing to fight over stuff that in the past, I don't know whether whether they were really going to fight over it or not. 
And, uh, and that's what drew me to, to your work. Absolutely love your poetry. We'll get to that here in a little bit. My daughter actually read it as well. And we have all kinds of sticky notes all over your book uh, with the things that she, that that impacted her. And she actually has some notes. If you don't mind, I'll share some of those with you. But before we get to that, uh, you know, the, the big question, what, what caused my wife and I to start the, the two feet on the ground gravity podcast was uh, we, we started asking ourselves what allows us to maintain perspective in life. What, what keeps both feet on the ground instead of us getting carried away with the noise and the chaos. And, and what we concluded was it's the relationships, the experiences and the values that make us or that help us maintain perspective in life and, and maintain those foundations. So uh, I was just going to turn it over to you and just, I'd, I'd love to hear your story. I, I know we've shared, I've heard some of your story already when we talked previously, but, but obviously for the listeners, if you could just start, start wherever you feel comfortable and go from there. Okay. Yeah. So where to start is always a, a great question. Sometimes I want to start at where I learned about mindfulness and meditation and I think that's where I'll start right now. And then we'll go back into history a little bit. So um, when I was in college, I was a junior. I was a mentor for college freshmen. And I college freshmen, the main concern, at least at that time, was what is my major going to be? I'm really scared. Like, what am I going to choose? And the overall consensus as my junior year that it's okay, you can choose whatever major you want to, but make sure that you follow your dreams and choose something that you're really passionate about, right? And I got to a lot of reflecting. I had this like weekly reflection thing and I just realized I, I didn't know what that was for me. And I was really depressed and I had no idea why. Um, I was going to counseling. I was eating right. I was exercising. And what actually changed things for me was when I started meditation and when I started a mindfulness journal because the issue that I was having was my thoughts and like what I was thinking about myself. I was super hypercritical about myself and super negative talking to myself. And that was something that at the time, nobody really spoke about how you speak to yourself and that it needs to be kind. And that's become yes. such a huge thing now. But that was a huge life changer for me, right? Because I was coming from this background um, where I had a lot of things. <laughs> My dad, he was addicted to meth when I was very young. Um, he was completely out of my life by the time I was eight. And my stepdad, he also struggled with anger issues and like didn't have an outlet for that. And so I grew up in kind of a, a very stressful environment. And uh, the need for me to, I like that I had issues with like male attention, right? Um, I was a 
really, really involved in school and activities because it was my escape. And I knew what to do in college when I was struggling with depression because like to go to counseling and to eat right and exercise because I actually struggled with depression when I was 14. And that was like because I was involved in a statutory rape and I ended up like a month after that incident trying to overdose on pills and you know no one really understood why like why is she doing this because she she was a student like class president she was a cheerleader she was involved in sports and you know what it really comes down to is like those fundamental relationships um those were the things that I struggled with. And sometimes you can't speak to the person and you can't like make amends. Right. And that's where counseling comes in. Like you talk things through um, journaling. Yeah. Comes in and you make peace with it. You learn how to accept, you learn how to let things go and you learn how to let things be new as well. And, um, all of this, you know, was my history. And so I'm in college and I'm realizing that I'm passionate about writing and I want to sing and I want to travel the world. And that's what I want to do. And my family was like, no, like that's not. (laughs) You can't make money doing that. That's crazy talk. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, 100%. And so I'm, I've always been a little bit of a rebel. So what I did was dropped out of school. I moved into the basement of a frat house and <laughs> I started um, writing and I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do. But then one of my friends who is part Fijian, she was finishing school at University of Hawaii and she asked me if I wanted to move to Fiji with her. That right there is a pretty easy answer, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, we- exactly. Uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, when do we leave? I mean, that, that would have yeah. been my response to her, you know, back when I was, you know, 20 years 20. old. Yep. yep. <laughs> exactly. I, and I did. I, I sold my car and I moved to Fiji. And best decision of my life, probably the biggest life changing decision, too. And, it's where I really started. Like when you, your 20s are so incredible for self-discovery, right? And actually at any age, you could choose to do something like this, right? But um, it's it was just like, okay, I'm in a new environment. I'm in a new place. I can make these decisions for myself and like choose where I want to be, who I want to be. Um, And that's really huge, right? Like your parents can make the decisions that they want to, and they have their own beliefs, but, and you learn those patterns, you learn those beliefs, you learn those behaviors, but you actually do get the choice to be different or choose something different. And 
it can make the relationship a little difficult, right? When you're starting to make these changes and your parents like, that's not how I raised you. Like, I think differently. And, you know, that's just something that I realize is simply part of life to have different beliefs than people that you care about. And it's navigating that that's a really beautiful thing that strengthens a relationship. So anyway, I'm here in Fiji and um, my... I got picked up on a, a yacht. <laughs> oh, time out. What do yeah. you got picked oh, up on? A, you yeah. were on the yacht or like you were on the dock and someone in the yacht said, hey, hop on. No, I was actually volunteering for tips as a waitress and some yachties came up and a girl had left in the middle of charter and they asked me if I would like to come and work on the boat with them. Here's another decision point. And I'm pretty sure I know what you said. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and I did. And um, it was really a, a fantastic experience. It was one of those things that expands your, your perspective, right? Um, Fiji is a third world country and I had been living very poor. I actually moved to Fiji with $50. Um and <laughs> I didn't really know at the time that that wasn't very much. And <laughs> it was making, it was enough for me, right? But yeah. um, top ramen uh, and, you know, Cheerios. Exactly. Or whatever the equivalent is in Fiji. I ate <laughs> um, a brownie and oh. eggs. That's like what I ate. Like, <laughs> They had these brownies for like five Fijian dollars that were huge. And that was that was like my main staple meal. I loved that. <laughs> so healthy. But <laughs> I was about to say, it kind of sounds like you kind of stepped away from the whole health piece there for oh, a little bit. That's okay. Oh, I we didn't gotta know. sometimes. Oh, totally. I didn't really know what exactly healthy was, right? And I think it's a ah. constant process of learning. That's what I'm finding out. I'm like always learning yeah. like there's a better way that I can improve. And um, <laughs> anyway, so I'm on this boat and they're obviously very wealthy and coming from a third world country. It was just, it was shocking because I had been literally eating the scraps off of people's plates like with some of the girls that I worked with and now we were throwing away like food to feed 15 people every single day like at least like tons of people and I just couldn't wrap my head around it it made me feel really sick actually too like it was a hard thing to accept and a hard thing to understand like how can we change this right like yeah um and how can i change and that's actually where i started being plant-based because i didn't want to contribute to the waste like of a human or an animal life right it's fiji's yeah. like cannibals but not human life <laughs> but um yeah so it was just a huge life-changing point then and then I, I I didn't like to do yachting I really didn't I didn't I liked I like writing I like traveling I like art I like sports right and I 
cleaning was my least favorite thing in the world at that point. <laughs> and that, <laughs> I just didn't view it as like something that was very like valuable or um, that was worth my mind even, you know what I mean? Which I've changed my perspective on it, right? That was like a negative perspective that I had at that moment. And um I ended up going to, so my visa ended after three months and I ended up, and my story is so long and there's so many details. So let me know like what, <laughs> where, where you want me to go as well. But um, I ended up going back to the US after my visa ended and I didn't know what to do still. I was in California and I thought, okay, well, maybe I will go back to yachting because it's not, it's not horrible at all. It gives you so many opportunities. And so I go, I went to Fort Lauderdale. So Fort Lauderdale is the yachting capital of the world. And mm. yeah, it's interesting, right? And um, I decided, okay, I'll fly there and I'll get a job. You actually have to have a certifications and stuff, which for anyone listening, if you would like to learn how to get into yachting, I actually made a little ebook. It's free. You just put your email into my website and you can download it right there. But because so many people ask me that, I gave them a thorough answer. But um, you go to Fort Lauderdale and um, there's yachting agencies and there's all of these yachts and I went there again with only $100 at this point so which and I may didn't have, have any been phone. tighter compared to 50 in Fiji yeah oh yeah well exactly and I also had a place to live when I was in Fiji and I yeah, had a so job boxes. I was going back so when I landed, I was like, okay, I need to find a place to stay and I need to find a job. And I didn't have a phone. I knew that all of the yachting things were going to be off of 17th Street. That's what someone told me. And the naiveness, I just love like the, my brain at that moment. I was like, okay, so I just go to 17th Street and I walk down 17th Street with my backpacking backpack on just looking for the next sign and i saw Help a wanted vegan sign on restaurant. a yacht yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm here i'm ready <laughs> y'all have been waiting for me here yeah. i am <laughs> right and so you were going to say that it sounds like you started at a restaurant instead is that what you said no well i went to the i saw a vegan restaurant and i went in there and i was like i really need to find a place to stay and this girl had a phone the night. Well, obviously most people did. I asked her if I could borrow it so I could look up a hostel to stay. And there happened to be one right down the road. And it was $40 per night. And I was like, awesome. I head there. I go to the front desk. I tell him, hey, so this is my situation. I only have this much money. I'm like willing to work, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, that's great. Um, let me see your CV. And he said I could do marketing for them and I could stay there for free. So, wow, I know. And someone actually overheard me that was, so at the hostel, they have like computers at the front that people use. And he was like, Oh, 
I'm it, I just started a job at a new restaurant and they're looking for hostesses. Would you like to come to work with me and see if you can get a job there? So I did. I went to the restaurant, which is like this super fancy. It's called Lobster Bar Sea Grill in Fort Lauderdale, right off of Los Olas. And I went in the back doors with this waiter, spoke to the manager, and I got the job. And <laughs> it didn't start for one week, though. But that's first day when I land. I had my yes. job. And I had a place to stay. And so I had a lot of peace with that. Like, okay, everything is working out and everything will be fine. And so I go back to the hostel. It's really not a good environment. Um, <laughs> I, I've actually now, speaking back, like I've been to a lot of different hostels and there are really incredible ones out there. But this one in particular was like you would imagine is not good. And the third night that I was there, someone actually overdosed from drug usage. And I was like, okay, I really need to get out of this environment. And so I looked, I didn't know what my options were, but I had heard of couch surfing. So I got online to couch surfing and I was scrolling through the pages looking for a female, which I had to scroll through quite a few pages for that. And I messaged this girl, her name was Sarah, and I told her my situation and she came and picked me up immediately. Like, really incredible woman. She was a veterinarian, really kind. She said I could stay there for as long as I needed to. And yeah, I was just like, really. So during this time in my life, I didn't believe in God. Um, I, I, be I believed in energy. And during like... It was actually just in 2020, the beginning of 2020, that I believed in God. And I was able to say that. Like for a while, I was believing in God, but I didn't feel like it was my term. But the, these moments that we're talking about right now are things that I reflected on that I could see that God, like, was always like, oh, it's going to make me cry. Like, yes. like, always working for me, even though, like, I didn't. It's just like that energy of like faith and hope and love, like God. Like those was powerful there. stories. Can I yeah. share one with you real quick? Yeah, please. So, so I was getting out of the military and applying for work, and married, and two, two, two of my four daughters were were with us at the time. Um, that sounded weird the way I said that. With us, they were two of them were born. The other two were not. And uh, I had I had put in job applications a lot of places and didn't uh, hadn't heard back. And the military told me. You, you got to either out process or you got to re-enlist. You don't have a choice anymore because I was trying to, you know, keep feet on both sides of the fence so that I had a backup plan. And so there was this amazing moment in our living room where my wife and I are praying and crying and just, just trusting God. And we made a decision right there. We're getting out. We're getting out of the military. And I ran off to play flag football on, on the base team that I was playing on. And my wife came about 45 minutes later. And in that time, we got three phone calls with uh, job interviews. And so there was just this moment of we needed to take this step of faith. And, and those are anchor moments for me. 
And I think it's important for people to hear that is those anchor moments in our life where, where we saw God move. And, you know, my wife and I don't project our faith regularly on the podcast because we want it to be this space where people can express wherever they're at in life. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and listen to each other. Um, but, uh, but how can you not share the moment like you shared being down in Florida and all of these events unfolding as you were sharing that I was cringing as a father of four daughters, I was going, Oh my gosh. Oh my, I'm so thankful that when you decided to couch surf, that you looked for a female because <laughs> I'm just like all these images. No. All right. Keep going. Well, thanks yeah, for letting me share that. Uh, yeah. what, what happened next? As you're Sarah, as you're living with Sarah there and mm-hmm. stuff continues to unfold in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. Well, so this is quite, I'll go into some details of when I was at her house. So she had couch surfing and she had two gentlemen that were going to come couch surf. And she asked if it was okay if they came because I was literally in her living room sleeping on her couch. And then she would put an air mattress up and they would be there. And I was like, yeah, I think it's wonderful that you're helping more people and that would be awesome. So they came and they were going to for or Key West and they were like, Hey, do you want to come on a road trip with us to Key West? Yeah, (laughs) of course I do. That sounds great. And so I went on this road trip with them and they were very nice. They were actually both ex-military. And when, so we got to Key West and when they started to drink, they changed a lot. Um, Exactly. And so I just really didn't feel comfortable and I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, So I actually found this bar that had a dog in it and I was petting the dog. So it was probably two or three in the morning and I was just like petting this dog and this guy walks in and he was like, he starts to pet the dog. And I was like, Hey, (laughs) this is going to sound really strange, but do you think that I could stay on your couch or something tonight? (laughs) You're scaring me, Wakiri. You're scaring me. I know. Keep going. I know. I know. And um, he was like, you know what? Like, absolutely. I told him the situation. He's like, absolutely. And, um, I'm actually staying on my friend's couch too. So like it, it's totally fine. And I'm also driving up to Fort Lauderdale in two days. So it was perfect. I was going to be back in Fort Lauderdale for work. And this person is, is truly a gem. They're actually one of my friends to this day. They're also in the oh, yachting industry. That is awesome. Yeah. It's just like I could sense that the person was kind right um and yeah absolutely nothing weird or anything happened (laughs) and actually we ended up going camping in Bahia Honda and um, his dad had passed away recently and so we were able to like talk um and heal uh, with different things talking about our dads and stuff which was really cool and 
Um, I got back to Fort Lauderdale, safe and sound. You're making me feel better. Keep yeah. going. And I had a three-hour bus ride to work because it was transitioning from place to place. Uh, you have to, you know, take one bus and then transition to the next one. And I get to my job. And the other hostess asks me, what's my story? Because Apparently, like this girl that came in through the back of the restaurant, like word had traveled through the restaurant a little bit. Like, who is she? And I told her and she goes, oh, my goodness, you're living with a stranger. Come live with me. So I did. Um, (laughs) I moved in with her that night. She her name was also Sarah, which is like quite funny. But um, I ended up living with her for a month. She's one of my best friends to this day. Uh, just saw her last week or a couple weeks ago in Idaho, which was so fantastic. But um, I was living with her for about a month when I saved up enough money to take my yachting courses. So I was able to get my STCW and I moved out and I got into a crew house. So a crew house is where all of the yachties live at, especially when you're starting out. And it's really great to network. And I still obviously didn't have much money, but I would cook for people at the crew house. And after the one week course was done, someone needed a crew chef on a yacht and they recommended me from the crew house because like, I just couldn't believe it. I was a crew chef now on a yacht. Where'd you learn to be a (laughs) chef? Was this just something you did as a hobby growing up? Like you enjoyed to cook? Yeah, I enjoyed to cook. Love it. That's awesome. I know, right? So like, it's something that I enjoy. And then all of a sudden, this is my title. And then I'm like, (laughs) whoa. And yeah, I was cooking for 13 people, which is a lot. Um, Oh, yeah. I didn't really realize. But yeah, it was a great challenge and super enjoyable. It It was a temporary job in between their chefs. It was only for about a month long. And that's when I ended up going home after that. So was I only went home for Christmas. So I went home for Christmas to see my family because at this point I had been gone. I, I went to Fiji and I was in Florida. We went to the Bahamas on the boat. Um, so I had been gone for eight months and it was really, it was hard right? Um, Being away from your family for that long, I didn't really realize like how emotional it would be or like how much I would miss them. But I was still like, so eager to for the next adventure. And so um, I went back to Fort Lauderdale. And while I was there, I got a phone call from one of the agencies that they needed a, a nanny personal chef in the Hamptons and I spoke to the family on a Friday and really connected with them the mom was actually diagnosed with a a really rare cancer and they needed someone ASAP and so on Monday I was flying out to the Hamptons and 
that was another kind of surreal moment, right? I'm flying to go live with people that I've I've never met and I've only spoken to on the phone twice. And there I was cooking and taking care of their daughter and their dogs and their house. And I had known them for two weeks before she was gone for an entire month getting intravenous radiation therapy. So um, like I was alone at the house with all of it. I was 21 then. And I was just like, whoa, this is, I can't believe they trust me this much. My my first thought, I was like, wow, (laughs) this is a lot of responsibility. And, but it was, it was amazing. And um, the daughter actually graduates from high school this year. So I'm going oh, to wow. see her in New York. Yeah. That's awesome. It's just so special. But yeah, I, that whole experience was super trialing and hard. So I, I, when I was in high school, I was also a CNA, um, which is a certified nursing assistant. And that's part of the reason they chose me as well is because I had that kind of perspective to come into it with. And yeah. Um, she, when people get chemo, uh, the actual therapy is not the hard part, but it's when you come home, um, that's the really painful hard part. And so, um, they ended up hiring a nurse as well because she would be screaming in pain Mm. and, yeah, it was it was so horrible. And one day, she actually signed um, a DNR, um, which means do not resuscitate. And I messaged her husband. I was like, "Hey, do you think that you could come and be with her?" Because it was just me and the maid that were at the hospital with her, and she really obviously needed someone and I needed to go pick up their daughter at school. And he's like, Oh, I feel really sick today. So I I can't make it. And that was like a light bulb moment for her to tell her family that she was sick because she was a, a woman who always needed to be strong and she realized at that point, and this was a really important thing for me to see as well, because I felt very similarly that I always had to be strong. Um, and she had her family come. They stayed with this for a month and she went into full remission. She needed that, that love. Awesome. Isn't that wow. amazing? Yeah. So the husband, he ended up, um, he was actually filing for divorce at that time. And yeah, not a good, not, not a good. something we're going to be talking about on marriage Mondays here on the two feet on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Unless so, we're talking about what not to do when you're yeah, exactly. sick with cancer. Exactly. Um, but her family being there was really what made that big difference, I think. And so during that time, I didn't actually have a lot of time to myself. I was doing a lot of writing then. And um, I ended up writing music with a person from Boise who um, like, was a friend of a friend. And we actually 
decided to write music together and we did we wrote music over like a zoom call we wrote four songs and we decided that we were going to go to australia together so the <laughs> the adventure never stops keep it coming i know i love it and so um she they were getting a divorce and so it was a really good time she was in full remission for me to leave i went home for a month and then we went to australia so we got a van and lived in australia did the whole busking thing recorded a, an album in byron bay at this place called the arts factory and continued down to to Sydney and then to Melbourne and ended up living there until I thought I need to go home and I want to do something that is meaningful and there were but also adventurous <laughs> there's this thing I think called, that's just a piece of who you are yes I, I think so too um so there's this thing called bike and build and Bike and Build is a really cool program. It's a nonprofit where you cycle, push bike across the United States for affordable housing and you help build homes along the way. So, yeah, I was like super excited for it. I was living back home and or not back home, but in Boise working at one of my friends startup one of my friends parents startup companies out of their garage and um volunteering with habitat for humanity organizing a fundraiser training for a marathon and this is like a 5 month process i have my um or my uh like what do you call it <laughs> fundraiser <laughs> my fundraiser and i ended up breaking even which was horrible right meaning you just raised enough money to cover the costs of the fundraiser yep that happens sometimes i know that was a tough lesson and i just cried and cried and cried and it was there's only two weeks until I was supposed to leave for this too. And so I, I had to pull out of it and I couldn't go. Yeah. I got a phone call the next day without anyone knowing that I had pulled out of this. And, and one of my friends from yachting needed a cook on their boat. And so here I come. So like. Chef Wakiria is coming to save the food day. I'm yeah. like, is this back down in Fort Lauderdale, I would assume? Yep. yep. Okay. So here I was. I was like, okay, well, I guess like this is where I need to be. Keeps calling me back. I'm not even one who tries to get in it, which a lot of people try to get in it. And I'm just, it keeps coming to me. And so I go there I'm like, okay, I'll make the most out of this. And I get into diving and I get my first permanent job and just, it's absolutely incredible. And so I've, I've done this really for a few years and I, along the way, tried out other things that I was interested in. I went to Los Angeles and 
um, lived there, tried to do acting because I thought it was so beautiful to master your emotions and be, you know, like express yourself in that way. And um, it wasn't until, and I, I went to Costa Rica. I was a surf instructor or I was a yoga instructor at a surf camp. So I also got my yoga instructor certification and really big part of my life got into yoga nidra, which is a guided meditation. And I ended up starting this job on a boat owned by Arthur Blank, who is one of the founders of Home Depot. And we connected pretty much instantly on um, spirituality and our beliefs. And he asked me if I had ever heard of Deepak Chopra and I hadn't. And so he sent all of these books to the bow and I was deeply inspired and realized that I could live the life that I wanted to. Like I need to take the actions. I need to believe in myself. I need to go straight after it. But also um, I really wanted to focus on my spirituality. So I quit my job. I actually, he invited us, me and my brother went to um, a game in the owner's box while I was working for him. And we were, he invited us, us to dinner at his house as well. And I was like, I'm so sorry, but I have to quit. <laughs> Hold on a second. Time out. So I think I saw this on either your Instagram feed or one of the other social media, but I saw pictures of you with someone at a, at a lot of Atlanta Falcons football games. So that's what you're talking about. So that's um, another time. So oh, that was another time. Yeah. It was just another time that you were a special guest in the oh. football game. All right, keep it coming. Let's talk. <laughs> so you got, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm kind of teasing you a little bit. No. Yeah, I know. I'm, I've been really, really blessed. And so you got to be true to yourself though, too. Right. I mean, that's exactly great opportunity. Uh, I, but, but if you know that that's not where you're going to be able to stay, you having the integrity, the character to for yourself. And then also for the owner, just to say, Hey, this, this is not, going to work out long-term. Yep. And I told him, which is cool. I think, um, to tell him face to face instead of, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Takes courage. I was crying. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> you, and I believe and correct me if I'm wrong, but you, um, you, you, I'm trying to think of the right word for this. Uh, have you ever taken like an anagram test? Yeah. What do you remember? What number you are? Um, seven, I think. Okay, all right. Just because I, I mean, you live a passionate life, and um, yeah, I like it. Thank you. So, what happened next? So next, I go to Fort Lauderdale. I'm living at a house, but I'm just focusing on my spirituality. I'm not working. I'm doing all of the things that they say that you should do. And I'm reading a lot of books. And um, so say you should do, I was waking up at 5 a.m., drinking lemon water, meditating, doing yoga, doing my gratitude journal, going to the gym, listening to the news, being outside, like that kind of stuff. And um, I did that for about three months. And this is in 2020. 
My plan was after three months, if I didn't have some sort of clarity that I would go back to yachting and go back to work and get some more money to figure out what it is that I want to do. And it was in that time as well that I realized like all of the dreams that I ever had, had come true. Like all of the goals, like they had come true. So I could dream bigger now. I could go higher and COVID happened. That nasty (laughs) COVID thing, getting ready to launch. And I realized like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to be focusing on this a little bit longer (laughs) because suddenly there were no jobs. And so again, I was like, oh, here I go again with no money, which is so funny. Um, I'm figuring it out, you know, but um, I also reflected and was like, I didn't find clarity. That was a lot of time focusing on something like that. So why am I doing this? And I was like, well, the real reason is joy. So I actually missed um, a really crucial step in my whole process because I didn't want to give you like so many details that we drag on for hours and hours. But um, about two years ago before this, I had watched a Tony Robbins video and um, I had been struggling with like body image and this girl was talking about her issues with that. Tony Robbins goes, so how's your relationship with your dad? And I thought, no, Oh, how do I really have to go there? You know what I mean? Like really? So I put it, can I ask something there? Have you at that point, had you forgiven your dad? To me, I thought I had, I had nothing against him. I was happy that he had been clean at that point too, for so many years. I just had no interest in reconnecting with him because I felt that I had made something of my life that I was quite happy with. And I didn't want to have to, I didn't want, I thought that's going to take so much energy. Um, I felt like I didn't have enough time for my family as it was. And like, I didn't want to, you know, give my energy there, if that makes any sense. And so at that point, time I put it on my new year's resolution to talk to my dad it took me until October um, of 2019 to send him a message on his birthday of happy birthday that's how long it took me and um that slowly progressed right we started talking a little bit more and a little bit more and finally, I think in April of 2020, we spoke on the phone for the first time. You know what I love about this story, Wakiri, is, is you posted on your website on uh, wakiriwhitlock.com. You uh, posted a blog on forgiveness. And your last point was be patient. Be patient with it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, was, I was talking with a group of teenagers here recently about, about bitterness and the fact that bitterness doesn't hurt anyone else. It hurts you. It's poisonous for you. The act of forgiveness is is going to free you. Now, I think there has to be a caveat there sometimes. And I, I love, I mean, it's beautiful that you reconnected with your dad. And I want to hear more about it here in a sec. But 
Yeah. But I think it's also important for people to hear you can forgive and set a boundary. I Absolutely. think there are times in life with, with different types of folks, depending on how they've injured you, depending on what they've done, mm-hmm. that you can forgive and not, not bring it up anymore. Yep. But it, you're not going to let them get in a vulnerable spot to hurt you again. And the, the analogy I gave is if I had someone hold my wallet and they stole all my money and my credit cards out of it, I can forgive them. And I'm not going to hold it against you. No hard feelings. But I'm not going to ever let you hold my wallet again. It's just what it is. Yep. So Absolutely. Absolutely. And like to give you some more background on my dad. So when I stopped seeing him at age eight, he was homeless for 10 years. So, yeah. So eight to 18, he was homeless. And I didn't really, you know what I mean? Like I didn't really know anything like that. He had written me a letter once when I was 12 or 13 and that was all oh and i saw him actually at a um a boxing smoker at my high school he showed up to it one time and i just started bawling cuz i didn't recognize him he just came up to me and he was like do you know who i am and i said no and he says i'm your dad and i just started crying and i went home so <laughs> um yeah so that was the only interaction and then he he found God, which is really, really beautiful. Um, and he was in the middle of Chicago, actually. Um, he had given up drinking alcohol like three months prior. He had given up drugs like long before that. And this lady comes up to him and asks him if he would like some hot chocolate. It's in the middle of winter in Chicago and you have to walk a lot of miles through these cities. And he was headed to New York and she asked to listen to his story. And mm. it's, it's so huge. And I tried to do give that like listening, caring ear to people when I can as well. And it really makes people they're because okay in my personal opinion i think something that homeless people really struggle with is like a sense of worthiness right yeah um for whatever it is that has happened in their life or they've done in their life like perhaps like they struggle with forgiving themselves and they uh, something and um anyway he ended up flying home to his family after that and has been sober at this point now for 11 years. Good job, dad. That is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so incredible. And I thank him for that all of the time because, so that's backstory. It's like this person has done a lot of personal work yeah. to have the opportunity to have his daughter in his life again, right? Yeah. Like, so um, that brings me to April of 2020. And um, we had started talking and I was reassessing why I was doing what I was doing. And I was like, it's really because of joy. So I'm... I'm going to like parallel this to wanting to travel the world. Um, before I was like, oh, I'm going to go to college and do a four-year degree so I can then travel the world somehow. 
but then I decided I would just go straight to traveling. I got 50 bucks in my pocket. Let's do this <laughs> yeah. right now. We're not waiting. <laughs> so um, I was like, why am I doing this whole thing? I'm like, it's for joy. So why don't I just follow my joy? And that led to like a more intuitive approach instead of such like a rigid, regimented, structured approach. Yeah. And yeah. it changed everything for me. At, after three weeks of doing this, I was I realized a lot of things about myself that I had this fear of commitment that I was working with. Um, I was really like. I had a lot of judgment against myself too for like what I would eat, like if it's not healthy or if it's this or if it's that. And it was just like very interesting because it, it all came from like reflecting like what triggered me, like things that make, made me feel upset and like why did that make me feel upset? And it was like I had these judgments against this and it was very great time. And one day I wanted a cookie. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go get a cookie. So I was riding my bike to go get a cookie. And the cookie teller guy was like, how are you doing through this? I'm like, oh, I'm doing well. I, I teach yoga and meditation. And he's like, oh, me too. Um, where do you teach? I'm like, well, actually I'm focusing on my writing right now. And he goes, well, I would love to help you bring your writing to life, like to bring it to music I have a guitar and I play and I was like wow that's incredible so um like three days later I'm riding my bike to this essentially a stranger's house right it's a guy um it's in the middle of COVID I get a flat tire and before like old me would have been like oh that's a sign like I should probably not do that I was like, this is a test of my commitment. And so I locked up my bike and I got an Uber there and it was incredible. I heard music to something that I had written like eight or nine years ago and just made me want to cry. And he was like, so you want to do music, but you don't know how to play an instrument. And I was like, well, I have a ukulele. He goes, why don't you get a keyboard? And I just thought, oh, you know, I haven't worked in like five months now, but <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like, okay, sure. I'll try my best. Um, my dad messages me. This is not me telling him anything. He asks me if I need anything for my music. And I tell him, well, somebody just told me that I need to get a keyboard. And so he sent a keyboard to my house that Friday. Great job again, Dad. I like I'm liking this. Yeah. Yeah. And he'd be a really fantastic person to interview as well, by the way. His story is really incredible. But um, anyway, I go to play this keyboard. I get an app. I can do the notes. I get another app where I can sync into it and I can hear the notes that I'm supposed to play. Then I look at music theory. I'm like, oh, if these notes are all in this chord, then theoretically this note should sound good with this. And I tried to put stuff together and it sounded horrible. Like, <laughs> I spent, you know, and during COVID time, it was amazing because I could spend a whole week 
on yeah, one all of us could song. there wasn't a yeah. whole lot to do so <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah i'm a whole week spent on it and it sounded so bad right and oh. so <laughs> i thought what is another action that i can take that's still honoring bringing my talent my gift to life and it was um he he was like, oh, well, why don't you write down all the songs you want to record? So that's when I started going through all of my voice recordings, all of my journals, and literally I sat down in 20 hours straight. I had my book written. Yeah. Oh. Of course, <laughs> only the so people crazy. on YouTube can see what I just did, but that's where oh. I thought you were going. So I got to show you this at this point. So here are the sticky notes that uh, my daughter actually grabbed it before I did because I was finishing another book. And so she started throwing blue sticky notes in it. And then she was writing what this, what some of your poetry meant to her and how it connected with her. And then I went through and started doing yellows. And uh, folks, you're going to have to pick oh, this up. I'm, of course, I'm going to put it down in the comment section, but I love what I've forgotten. Now, what I love about this is kind of like when you're watching the movie and you're watching the movie and you don't know why they named the movie the name that they named it, right? And then you get to that scene, that scene where you're like, oh, this is why they named the movie this. And the poem that is, is what you named the book after. Well, let me say it differently because I was actually reflecting on that as I came home. And I, I would take a stab that uh, does, I mean, I can read the poem, but is this also the title? I love what I've forgotten, a piece of the loss and the, the struggle in life and the fact that it's no longer this weight on you. I, I'm, I'm putting words. I should have just asked you <laughs> what, yeah. the, what the, 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 not motivation, the inspiration, what the inspiration was. Absolutely. Um, it's about, you know, the things that you let go of in life, they help you to create who you are. And yeah. it's like a process of loving who you are. That's I love what I've forgotten because I love who I am and you have to love all of the the good and the bad, the whole process of living, right? It's totally it comes in waves. Like that's what we're we see all around us. It's like reflected in everything, is everything is waves. And so yeah, that's exactly what it's about. Well, 29 countries, the Sarah's. <laughs> A few men that honestly, as you're telling the story, I'm re I'm ready to bring in a flying elbow drop. Like I, I got an alibi and a shovel. That's all I got to say. Uh, but thankfully, it sounds like it, each of these interactions uh, they honored. They honored you, and they they didn't uh, they didn't take advantage of your your trust as you were traveling the Floridas and whatnot. Hey, do you mind if I read just a couple of these? Oh uh, yeah, is that okay? Absolutely. Uh, just again, it it was pretty special for me. Um, cause I, I knew my daughter was going to read it and I was excited to hear what she had to think, but I didn't know that she was going to write, uh, these reflections on it. So, um, oh, there it is. That was the first one I wanted to read and take me a second. I should have prepped it more. All right, here it is. Uh, it's, it's, uh, on page 31 titled scars, not that you'd understand, but the pain has made me who I am. Old wounds, they heal, but the scars, they still are seen daily. My daughter's reflection was, I like this poem because it ex 
uh, it explains how both literal and figurative scars never go away, but they prove our strength. Uh, and just knowing my daughter's story and the areas that she's had to be strong, hearing pieces of your story. And then obviously, I think this is just the common human experience, right? We experience loss. We experience pain and injury from, from people. They let us down, they injure us. Um, and we're scarred, but, uh, but it shapes who we are. All right, I'm going to read one more if that's okay. Please do. Uh, uh, I have to look. Oh, yes. Uh, I don't think this one's titled page 53. Maybe I'm in the land of yesterday or tomorrow. I couldn't say. Maybe I'm in the land of yesterday or tomorrow. It's all the same. My daughter's reflection was just, she feels like it captures the, the essence of depression and feeling like pretty much every day is Groundhog Day. Just day after day after day. Uh, so totally love your work. Uh, and I love the, the artwork of it. I mean, it's just, it, it's really, really beautiful. And I, I like poetry, but I'll be honest with you. I haven't read poetry for a number of years, like probably like five or 10. I think I still have the last poetry book I, I had on my bookshelf, but uh, what a gift for you to be as, be as, correct me if I'm wrong. When you were when you were doing these audio journals or these recordings and you were writing these things down, at the time, did you intend on this being, did you know that this was going to be your authored book? No. <laughs> I didn't think so. No. So you you had to step up and have that courage that I'm gonna, I'm gonna bear my soul and this process that I've been on for almost three decades. <laughs> right? I mean, yep. 30 trips around the sun. There's a lot of experience there that you've had and uh, just absolutely beautiful. Can I ask a question? This is going to take us way back. Yeah. There was a piece that you said, uh, and I didn't want to stop you, but, um, and this may have been when we talked before, but when, when you, uh, when you attempted suicide with pills, if I remember correctly, you trusted a friend and that friend was a good enough of a friend to not just keep it, keep it in. They, they went and shared it with someone. Yep because they loved you and they wanted you to get support. Can you talk about that a little bit? I think that's a powerful thing for people to hear, especially for younger folks that when a friend shares something with you, there's times that we don't keep it confidential. We have to get Mm -hmm. someone the help that they need. Yeah. um, So I was at school and how I've always handled things is I kind of through humor when I, and my skin was super itchy and um, I couldn't walk very well. Like my joints were a little wobbly. I had taken um, the 7D Benadryl, um, which like that's how it affected my body. But I told my friend, I was like, she's like, what's wrong? I'm like, oh, like, I, you know, I just didn't feel good. And like, haha, I'm fine. And she ended up telling our, our counselor. Um, I, I think that was like a, a great move, right? Our school counselor. And then our school counselor called um, my parents. And then I went to the hospital. And yeah, it was, it was hard for sure. Um, but gosh, like you've heard my, my story now, like, isn't life so worth living? Right. Like I'm, I think that, and the only reason I took, 
I just have so many angels. I feel like my mom, she has allergic reactions a lot. She's quite sensitive. And so she had bought like a Costco size of Benadryl, but then put it in an Advil, like small container by her bed. And that's what I actually took. So it, I didn't even know that I took something different, right? You were taking um, Advil. You were you were trying to OD on Advil and yeah. thankfully it was Benadryl. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So just like if I, it, depression is hard and it feels like it's never going to end um what i really really like strongly encourage is for you to start doing meditation um to relax but also to build a relationship with your mind so that you can direct your focus on what you would like to focus on and also to do mindfulness journaling so that you can become more aware and less attached to the thoughts that come through, right? So more observing of your thoughts. Um, And in that way, when you can like observe them and then when you can refocus them, like there's a lot of power there so you can change things for yourself. And then I'd also suggest having some form of self-expression, some like art. Um, some people find that in sport, like, but sport is great for like your endorphins, but art for self-expression is so huge. And there's so many different ways that you can release. And I think art is an incredible resource for us because it's a way to transform energies, right? Um, but that's what I would suggest if you're going through something like that. Now, how did you, I mean, mindfulness, um, I mean, like I, I would say I'm probably like a third grader and from what I'm hearing of you, you're, you're probably at least in college, uh, uh, but I think it's okay. I like being a third grader, right? Like that's okay. Uh, because I recognize the power of meditating and, and being mindful. And and I've, I've talked with people from different faiths that aren't comfortable with it. I come from the Christian faith and I'm very comfortable with it within the the parameters of my Christian faith because I recognize the the poisonous power the, or, or the positive power, the consequence that thoughts have on our life. Mm-hmm. Thoughts mm-hmm. can, you, you, like you've said, you're sitting there having all these negative thoughts, self-defeating thoughts about yourself and you're beating yourself up and you're allowing that just to recycle in your brain over and over and over and over again. And here's the deal. If you're recycling excuse the expression, but if you're recycling cat poop, you're not all of a sudden going to have a masterpiece of anything. You're just going to have cat poop in your brain. Right. And so what, what do we recycle in our brain? And, and, and I found through, um, through mindfulness exercises, the ability to not beat myself up, to give myself some, some grace, right. Just to be like, you know what, you know what? It's okay. Like I'm not perfect and I'm going to be okay. Not being perfect. And what would you say to someone that's like, you know what? I just don't know. Yeah, you're talking about mindfulness. It was powerful for you, but you also went to feed you with $50. And I'm just not going to do that, right? Okay, you don't have to do that. But how would you suggest someone get started if they were going to just like dip their toes in the pool? This is this is mm-hmm. preschool. They aren't even going to sit there and start kindergarten yet. 
What, what would you tell them to do? Um, sit outside and stare at a tree. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, for me, also, this is how I actually started meditating. I had a super busy mind and I thought like, okay. So first of all, you have probably heard by now how great meditation is and how many people are like vouching for it. So you should probably give it a chance, like just give it that chance. And here's a way that you can do that if you just don't think that your mind can do it. Okay. This is where I'm going to come in and like be like, okay, this is something because I have a very busy mind and I couldn't do it with my eyes closed because if I did it with my eyes closed then I have all of these different thoughts and like images and everything. And so if I actually had my eyes open, it was just like a stationary thing that I would be staring at. And I think nature is the perfect um, opportunity. So I was sitting in my backyard, you can stare at a tree and I would think of the word beautiful why the word beautiful? I think I say it in my book, but I think beautiful is anything that excites a greater appreciation for life. But we're staring at this tree. We're saying the word beautiful because also if your mind wants to wander, you can redirect it back to that word by focusing on your environment, right? Like that tree is beautiful the sky is beautiful. You can look at your environment and identify different things that you think are beautiful. And maybe if your mind is still busy, so you're focused right now, you're building a relationship with your mind. You're focusing on a word. It's just like if you're doing a mantra meditation, you're just focusing on one word. You can choose whatever word resonates with you. I'm just, this is something that worked for me. And you can spell out that word. Your mind needs a job. It feels busy. Like, okay, let's spell out that word. Beautiful is a long enough word too. That It's like, oh, settled. You can think about your breath and how it is beautiful. Um, if your mind still needs to think, there's plenty of positive jobs that you can give it through focusing on the word beautiful. And um, that is a way that it's going, it's going to be a positive experience for you because you're taking time out of your day to be still focus on something positive and be in nature. And so if you just give yourself even that little bit, especially if you're starting from zero, that's going to be huge. Like just try something and there's no wrong way to meditate. Um, and there's no perfect way to meditate. You're here, you're showing up, like just give yourself the chance. I don't know. That's what I suggest. <laughs> I like it. Just, yeah. hey, it's like jumping on a plane with 50 bucks, right? Yeah. You know, just give yourself a chance. Give it a try. Worst case scenario, you don't like it, but there's a good chance that you probably are going to like it. Yeah. I, I, what I've loved is I feel like it's it's gotten popular enough that you can get on YouTube 
And I'm like, I've seen these guys that like are like these warrior types and, and I wouldn't meditate like they do, but I mean, there's like a lot of vulgarities flying out, but, but it, it connects with them and it mm-hmm. helps them calm down some of the things they got going on in their mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's what I like is I like, it's not being this stereotype of, of just Eastern religion. It's hold on a second. There's, there's a whole lot of folks, a lot of different backgrounds uh, a lot of different shapes and sizes and looks that are benef- benefiting from it. You're probably going to find someone that can can guide you through meditation or give you an idea of it that connects with you. Hey, uh, tell me about Global MVP. That's something else you got going on, nonprofit or or pending nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what's your guys's goal with Global MVP? So Global MVP, yeah, it's a nonprofit. It's pending five hundred one c three. And it is for world peace. (laughs) So what we are doing for our first program is creating um, a meditation, a virtual reality meditation for youth age 12 to 18 to learn meditation. Any beginner would enjoy this in a fun way. So it's like a game. Um, when you go into the VR headset, it's just nature and you get to choose if you want a female or male voice and then there's different guided meditations. And as you explore the map and you um, finish one of the guided meditations, it unlocks a new map. And then the more time that you spend meditating, the more functions that it opens up like the more abilities that you'll be able to have and so that is that particular program but my idea is that in five years we could help people with i.e incurable diseases um, to change the narrative in their mind so with the guided meditations as well. Each particular one is focused on a different virtue. So you're focused on um, yourself virtuously, right? Like you're starting to associate yourself with different virtues. And I really do believe like the more that you think of yourself like that, then you'll take those appropriate actions. And um Sounds like a, a better world to me. <laughs> and also like it helps people. So, yeah. So you guys could have been like, we want to implement positive world change. Instead, you're like, we just want to end all wars and create world peace. Like, like you don't do anything like halfway. It's like, like if this is halfway, <laughs> like you're up there somewhere. Like, I don't even know. Well, they say to dream big. So I'm like, okay, go for like the biggest thing that you can think of. And that was the biggest thing that I could think of when I was like, oh, I can dream bigger now. Like might as well go to the top. Right. And so I think it's totally possible because when I think about the issues that we face with a lot of wars and stuff, it's a lot of um, (laughs) people who... Um, they are holding on to past injustices, right? And they probably don't do a lot of meditating and they probably don't do a lot of self-expression and they probably don't focus on enjoying life, you know? And so if you can 
help that trickle. And I think it's a very youthful thing to um, gravitate towards wanting to just enjoy life and play. And so I think if you help change youth in that way to help youth understand how to heal themselves, then that helps the older generations as well, right? Because we always learn things. I don't have kids, but I always hear that we learn things from our kids. And um, that's that's my thought with it. Yeah, but, well, I love what you said there because we have to heal the person before we can heal the family or the neighborhood or the community or the city, state, country world, right? I mean, that's that's the smallest building block is us as individuals and carrying around those hurts. And you're right. I mean, if you look back at world history, there's some hurts that have been going on for millennium, right? I mean, there's some hurts between some cultures that have been going on for thousands of years. And uh, that's a lot of, that's a lot of pain. That's a lot of uh, bitterness. And um, it starts with, with the person. I mean, like even in my own bloodline, um, like my dad who struggled with meth and stuff, he comes from the native American background. Right. And so his dad had struggled with alcohol and, you know, there's just, it, that comes from like a deep cultural pain and, um, yeah, there's like, that's like one particular instance. And then I have my mom's side who, who I was named after actually Wakiria. She actually committed suicide and, um, yeah, it's like so fascinating to me and you see how, because of her doing that, how it affected her son and how he brought up his daughters and like how this pain can be continued through generations, um, you know, takes a bit of self-awareness really. And yeah, yeah, it's all very interesting. And I, I, yeah, well, I won't get into like any deeper philosophical ideas, but I was just thinking about this whole thing about how people are talking about not teaching history because of, I just don't think that not teaching it helps you to understand the pain to be able to do the healing. You know what I mean? hundred percent agree. hundred yeah. percent agree. We, we, we have to know, we have to know our past. We have to remember the, the past mistakes we've made. I mean, I know that's been said before and probably someone a whole lot more famous than me said, or, or, or we're bound to repeat them. Right. And we've even yeah. seen it in our American culture where we've repeated the mistakes of our ancestors. And it's like, aren't, Oh, can't we learn? So we have to talk about it. We have to talk yeah. about these things. Otherwise, we're not going to move past them and we're going to continue to make the same the same errors. Hey, this has been awesome. We, I think we could go a, very, a lot longer. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, but I have a, a lovely bride and a couple lovely ladies that Aww. I need to uh, get to uh, tonight. So uh, if people want to follow, if they want to check out your stuff, first of all, the book, uh, I love what I've forgotten. Again, it's going to be down in the comment section. It's on um, Amazon, correct? Yep. Saying find this on Amazon, uh, wakiriawitlock.com. That'll also be down in the comments. What other, are there other ways that people can follow your work right now? Yeah, sure. You can follow me on Instagram. I am pretty like active on there. And yeah, 
always keep things interesting or try to. So, and if you're going through anything, please feel free to reach out. I'm so happy to talk to you. So yeah, I hope that you're doing okay and that you feel inspired to live. But <laughs> I love that. Thank well, you. again, Wakira, I think time is one of our, uh, one of our greatest, um, commodities to give. And so the fact that you've given me your time uh, a couple of times now to, uh, to share your life with me. Thank you so much. Thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for having the courage to share your story and to step on planes when you only have 50 or hundred bucks in your pocket, because even though I'm, I gotta be real with you as a dad, I'm like, Oh, I don't want that one daughter listening to this one. She might be doing this, <laughs> but you know what? You know what? Um, I got some smart kids. I got some smart kids. And yep. if they decide to hop on a plane with 50 bucks in their pocket, then uh, I'm going to be excited to hear the story when they get back. <laughs> totally. And I think that, yeah, they probably won't make that decision. Hopefully. I mean, it's a fun ride, but um, it's a lot more fun if you have money. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Thank you, Akira. You thank you. Night. Yeah. Thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, what did you think of my conversation with Wakiria Whitlock? I hope you enjoyed her perspectives. I hope they gave you some perspective in life for yourself. Hey, Jamie and I are wanting perspective from you. We're wanting to hear what you think. There's lots of different ways you can communicate back to us. If you're consuming this on an Apple podcast platform, please go to our main page, scroll down to the bottom and give us five stars. That improves our viewability on that platform. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can give us a thumbs up, drop some comments in the section. Uh, there's lots of other ways from sharing the podcast with friends, communicating us through our email, chris at gravityct.com. Let us know what you think. Give us ideas for future topics for Marriage Mondays or future guests for the podcast here. With that, folks, we only get to live this life once. And as Wakiria did, let's go out and get adventurous with it. Take care and love on your loved ones.